again, everyone. Uh, my name is JR. I'm the teaching pastor here at Catalyst. And I just want to say welcome. Welcome to our worship, both those of you who are in the building with us today and folks that are joining us online. Uh, it might seem weird to start a week about friendship with a song that's about loneliness, but actually we are in the midst of a, a pretty staggering loneliness epidemic in our country. Um, that, this, was hap- this was on the rise before COVID, um, but certainly the pandemic exacerbated it. And uh, they're estimating now that more than 50% of adults in the U.S., so people over 18, are experiencing loneliness. And it's, it's actually, it's like 58%, so it's almost three out of every five adults. And when you ask what counts as loneliness, like what do you mean, uh, it, they, the phrases that people used in the survey were things like, no one knows me well, I feel left out, I always feel alone, I lack companionship, or my relationships with others are not meaningful. Almost three out of every five adults, um, more, more than half, right? Most adults feel lonely. And it's actually worse in certain demographics. So among black adults, it's 68%. And among uh, uh, Latin adults, Latin, uh, Latinx, uh, Latino, Latina adults, it's 75%. So three out of four, um, way higher than the national average. And among 18 to 24 percent, or, or sorry, ages 18 to 24, it's a staggering 79%. So almost four out of every five people between the ages of 18 and 24 uh, says, I feel lonely most of the time. And I think that is, that is a statistic that I both recognize. I mean, I think certainly in my 20s was a time that I, I really felt a lot of loneliness. Um, but it's also one that I think as a church, we should be bothered by because we know that loneliness has all kinds of uh, impact on our mental health, even on our physical health, uh, and of course on our spirituality, right? And here at Catalyst, we're a church that for the last several years, we have said friendship is the heart of Jesus's good news. So, so friendship is something that we take very seriously as an antidote to loneliness. And as we're moving into this series where we're going to be talking about our core values here at Catalyst, we're beginning with friendship uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's, it's the core, it's the root of everything else that we do. But two, uh, I think it is, it is our core value here at Catalyst that is most needed in our world. Again, by the way, these statistics play out, right? We are a lonely nation. We are a lonely culture. We are a lonely people. And I think God has called Catalyst to be a place uh, where we can create meaningful friendships. And that, again, that goes for the folks who are here in the building and the folks who are joining us online. We want to be able to create meaningful friendships and be creative about how we do that because we believe that friend-making is what is at the heart of Jesus' work here in the world. And I know that that is a weird statement, especially if you've grown up in church. We're going to talk about that as as we move through today. Uh, I want to begin, though, by suggesting and just telling you what we're in for today. Uh, We're going to make a radical suggestion about the antidote to loneliness, which is that rather than just being hospitable, Rather than just uh, being a welcoming people who welcomes people into our friendship, uh, we can actually go further in following Jesus' example in leaving our comfort zone, leaving the spaces that we're in control of, leaving the spaces that we, uh, where we set the terms, and going into other, people, other people's comfort zones, other people's spaces, and putting ourselves at the mercy of their hospitality 
as a way to make friends. And uh, that's something we see in the life and work of Jesus. And so it's something that, that I believe that we're called to imitate. Uh, so of course, we're going to talk about that today, but uh, we're going to begin with worship because uh, all of this is grounded in what God has already done for us. And we want to celebrate that as a way of, of centering ourselves in the spirit and framing everything else that's happening today. So I'm going to hand it over to Nathan and his worship team. Uh, and I'm going to invite you, uh, whether you're in the building or whether you're virtual, as long as you're not, you know, like driving or something like that, to stand with me as we begin worshiping. So Nathan, please take it away. Welcome back. Uh, believe it or not, we only have four weeks until Advent begins, which is the beginning of the new church year. Uh, it's, the, it's the beginning of our progression towards Christmas. Uh, and so we, here at Catalyst, we always reserve the last few Sundays of the church year which is different from the calendar year and different from the fiscal year. It's its own year, church year. Uh, we, we reserved the last few weeks. We're talking about the core values we have here at Catalyst and what makes us a church, right? What, uh, what not only constitutes us as a church uh, of, of God, but also then what sets us apart from other churches, right? What makes us Catalyst? What makes us unique as a church? And so uh, for the last several years, we've been talking about uh, our four core values of friendship, diversity, transformation, and curiosity, which we used to call Pilgrim, but we changed that, and you'll find out why here in a couple weeks. Uh, and so uh, these are our four core values. They're the four things that we feel like God is calling us to that make us a church. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to work through each of these. And this week, we're beginning with friendship. Uh, friendship is our first core value. So here at Catalyst, for the last several years, we have said we believe that friendship is the heart of Jesus's good news, uh, which is particularly if you've grown up in church, can strike you as a little bit strange. Uh, because I think a lot of us grew up in churches where they say, we would say, like, the cross is the heart of Jesus' good news, right? Or the idea that Jesus died for our sins is the heart of Jesus' good news. Uh, and we don't, we don't disagree that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, right? We don't disagree with the idea that God forgave us. Um, what we push back on is the idea that, that the whole reason of Jesus' uh, incarnation here on earth uh, was simply to die for our sins. And uh, I think one of the places that really illustrates this well is Jesus' own words to his disciples in John chapter 15. Uh, so if you have a Bible, you can turn over there with us. Uh, if you grab one of the Bibles out of the back, that's on page 649. Uh, this is actually the night before Jesus is crucified. Uh, when he is sharing the, the last meal with his disciples that we always uh, commemorate when we receive communion together each week. And uh, this particular uh, place in John uh, gives us a whole bunch of Jesus's sort of last thoughts. And, and he spends a lot of time talking about the why of his mission. Why did he die? Why did he come? And so here in particular, he talks about a shift that happens among his followers because of his death a shift from them being his slaves to them being his friends. Okay, so I want to read this for you and just kind of talk through some of the implications for us today. Uh, so let's, let's read in John chapter 15. Jesus says, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is, in fact, no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends, which, of course, Jesus is about to do, right? And then Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command, which was, remember, right, love each other the same way Jesus loves you. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything that the Father told me. 
So, so here at the end of his earthly ministry, at the end of his earthly life, Jesus tells the disciples, look, you're not my followers anymore. You're not my slaves anymore. You're not just doing what I tell you without, without uh, you know, with like a blind obedience where you don't ask questions and you just do it because I said so, right? He says, now you are my friends. I have confided in you. I have explained everything to you. I have let you into the circle of trust, right? Into the inner, I've told you everything. And so you're not, you're not slaves anymore. You're not servants anymore. You're friends. Jesus came to earth, and yes, he did die for our sins, but that's because sin separated us from God, right? Sin broke the relationship that we had with God. And so Jesus did need to atone for that. He did need to make that right. But he did that in order to reestablish our relationship with God. Right? So the end goal wasn't forgiveness. The end goal was friendship. And forgiveness is what needed to happen so that we could have a, a right relationship reestablished with God. That's why we don't just celebrate Good Friday, right? We, we look at Good Friday as a precursor to Easter Sunday, to the resurrection, to when Jesus is raised from the dead and begins this whole new reality where we get to be friends with God. So friendship is the why. Why did Jesus come to earth? To restore our friendship with God. That's why we say friendship is the heart of Jesus' good news. And we don't, we don't want to obfuscate and say that, oh, yeah, uh, Jesus didn't, um, you know, that Jesus didn't have to die for our sins. No, we understand that. We take sin very seriously here. We understand the consequences of sin. We, under, we understand that the, the wounds that that creates relationally, right? Sin separates us from ourselves. That's why we think spiritual formation is important. Sin separates us from each other. Sin hurts us as a culture, and sin separates us from God. So those things have to be dealt with. We can't just ignore them. We can't just pretend that they don't matter. They matter deeply, right? But the ultimate end goal of dealing with sin, of forgiving it, of swallowing it up and, and removing it, is to restore relationships. So that's why we say here at Catalyst that friendship is the heart of Jesus' good news. And that's why it's so important for us uh, to celebrate. So I'm going to bring the, the worship team back up. Uh, because, again, I really do, before... Uh, before we go too far, I just want to celebrate this, and I want to ask you this question to take with us into this next song. Do you think of God as your friend? Do you think of Jesus as your friend? I think a lot of us really actually struggle to do that. I think we're okay with thinking of God as God, right, as this person who's high up and exalted and lifted up that we worship, but I think it's a lot harder for us to imagine that God actually wants to be friends with us, and, the, and that God did everything that God has done to restore our relationships with him and with, with one another. So we're going we're gonna to move into this song, this song of, of celebrating our friendship with God as a way of singing the things that we know are true that sometimes we struggle to believe are true. So this is an aspirational worship song, right? We're reaching with this one. So Nathan, if you would, and if you would all join me in standing again. Um, again, I... I think it's difficult for us to uh, hear that God calls us friend, uh, and I think there is something uh, scandalous about the idea that the, the supremely powerful creator of the entire cosmos would uh, notice us, right? That would uh, let alone notice us, but care about us, but, and, and, and extend to us the offer of friendship. But this, again, is really part and parcel of the scandal of 
of the New Testament, the scandal of Jesus' good news. And it's something that the, the authors of the four Gospels really bring out again and again and again. And so I want to go to John chapter 1. This is the, uh, what a lot of scholars call the prologue to John's Gospel, right? It's this, it's this nice setup that introduces all of the themes and all of that. And right in the middle of it, there's this, this really cool verse that actually we could dedicate like an entire probably year of preaching to, and we're not going to do that today. I just want to highlight kind of uh, one of the central themes of it. But this is John chapter 1, verse 14. I just want to read it with you and point out a few things. Um, when it's talking about the Word, it's talking about Jesus, okay? So, so the Word became human and made his home among us. Okay, that's just that, that bit right there, right? The Word became human and made his home among us. The, the, the Greek word there that gets translated made his home uh, is actually uh, he, he pitches his tent among us. Um, if, you, if you've ever read the message version of the Bible, which is the like, uh, you know, put into really modern idiom and modern vernacular translation, uh, Eugene Peterson translated that, that Jesus moved into our neighborhood, right? Uh, but, but again, the idea here is a very near intimacy, and, and it matters that, that John starts out, you know, John, John, uh, John 1, 1, not John, John 1, right? John 1, 1, uh, doubled the wrong thing there. Uh, that it starts out by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John wants us to know that when we're talking about Jesus, we are talking about God, the cosmic uh, being with no beginning and no end that created everything. And then the, the miracle is that the word Jesus left all of that and moved into our neighborhood, took on flesh, and became one of us. Uh, that, that, is, that is a staggering truth that I think 2,000 years of Christianity has made us sort of numb to. We're like, yeah, 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 it's a Christmas story. We, we get it. Where's my present, right? Um, and I think if we just stop for a moment and reflect on that, like that, that, is, a, that is a truly bonkers claim. Right, that that the the infinite creator of everything. I don't know. I don't know if any of you are uh, ruthlessly watching all of the James Webb Telescope pictures that keep coming out. James James, who's running our stream today, he and I text each other Instagram photos from NASA like three times a day, right? Because they just post all these just mind blowing images from billions of light years away, and like the one that created all of that became one of us and moved into our neighborhood. It, it, is just, it is just a staggering thing. And I think it says something about the kind of friendship that Jesus extends to us. Because let's get this straight, right? Churches are not particularly known for being friendly these days. And I think one thing that's been true about Catalyst since long before I ever got here is that Catalyst has been a friendly church. What we hear from visitors over and over and over is, wow, this, this is a really friendly group of people. And uh, that, that in and of itself is unusual, right? That, that I mean, and this is mind-blowing, right? That, that we're nice to people <laughs> when they show up to visit. It's like, I don't know why that's so revolutionary. But it is, apparently, okay? Um, being friendly... Uh, extending hospitality, I think, is a deeply spiritual practice. When we can open up the spaces that are our spaces, whether that's our home or our church or uh, ourself, right? When we open ourselves up and make ourselves available to someone else in a way that we are sharing who we are and what we value with them, this is a deeply spiritual thing. It's something that the scriptures celebrate 
as a virtue, as something that God does, that, that God shares with us, okay? And this, and this is something of what we see Jesus doing, right? And when Jesus becomes friends with us. But what I would like us to do today is actually even consider an even more radical step, okay? So again, it is good that as a church, we, are, we have a reputation for being friendly. I think it's a well-earned reputation. I think it's a true reputation, okay? Not a lot of churches have that reputation, and I actually think it's really cool, and I'm super proud of Catalyst, that we are a friendly church, that people like us when, when they show up, and they feel welcomed. I think it's great that we are hospitable. I think that's good, okay? So don't hear anything I'm saying next as a critique, right? This is just taking where we are and going to the next level, okay? It's actually what Jesus does in John 1, right? Leaving where he is, leaving where he's comfortable, and coming among us and putting himself at our mercy, okay? And again, I told you the other gospels celebrate this well. They do. In Matthew's gospel, there's this very strange little exchange that Matthew just sort of slips in the middle of some of his stories about Jesus. Let's read this. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. And then one of the teachers of religious law, so this is a bigwig, right? This is someone that it would be sure nice for Jesus to have on his team. One of those people says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And here's what I love about Jesus. When people are like, hey man, can I be a part of what you're doing? Jesus doesn't say, sure, come on. He's like, mm, you probably don't want to. Right? And here's another, thing, here's another time he does that. Uh, Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Okay? So what Jesus says to this guy, he's like, hey, teacher, can I come and follow you? Jesus basically says, I mean, sure, man, if you want, but you've got to understand, I'm homeless. Right? Birds have nests and foxes have dens, but I, don't, I just kind of show up and figure it out. I have a friend named Bryn. Uh, she's a theologian who lives up in Pennsylvania, and she actually wrote a piece about this one time where she talked about this as a, as a sort of intentional act of reverse hospitality. Okay, Because think about it. By not having a home, by being just sort of a traveling preacher that went from town to town sharing his, his liberating good news, Jesus is putting himself at the mercy of wherever he shows up. Are they going to extend to him hospitality? Are they going to make him feel welcome? Or is he going to use a rock for a pillow tonight? He never knew. And if you were his disciple, right, if you were following him, you didn't know either. Which is what he said to the, the religious leader, right? He says, yeah, you can come and follow me, but you, you got to understand, you know. <laughs> we're not staying in uh, five-star resorts or even one-star Motel 6s, right? We just get what we get. And that is a radical next step in hospitality, right? Again, I think it's a good thing to make ourselves open, to, to take the spaces where we are in control and open them up and be welcoming and be hospitable and be friendly. It is another thing to put ourselves at the mercy of other people to make ourselves dependent on other people's hospitality because it's a risk, right? I'm in control of whether I'm hospitable or not, right? I'm not in control of whether you're hospitable or not. So if I just show up and hope that you're hospitable, I'm putting myself at your mercy. I'm making myself vulnerable. I'm, I'm doing a risk, which Jesus does, right? When he leaves heaven and comes to earth and he puts himself at our mercy. 
They crucified him. When he was traveling around saying, I don't have a permanent base. I'm just at everyone's mercy. We know sometimes people put him up and welcomed him. We know other times they ran him out. He didn't know, but he was always making himself vulnerable for the sake of other people. He was giving them an opportunity to extend hospitality to him. And that is a, that is a really radical way of making friends. Okay? But when we choose to do that, some pretty cool stuff can happen. And so I want to bring our Mexico team up now, because this is essentially what we did. We went to Chihuahua City and sort of crashed some homes and said, hi, we're here. Uh, and so I wanted them to come up and share a little bit about what it looked like for them to be hospitable. So yeah, grab this is Euro's uh, microphone there. I'll get yours. So this is uh, Sarah Dunlap. I know everyone probably knows these folks, but just in case, Sue Sweeney, Stella Sweeney, and Marilyn Russell. And we all had the privilege, along with Amanda, who's back doing slides today, and Penny, who's in Michigan today, we all had the privilege of going to Mexico last summer and visiting Chihuahua City. So uh, I want to ask first, uh, we, we kind of have people who are going to take turns answering the question, so I wanted to ask first Sarah and Sue, tell us a little bit about, you know, we... we we kind of planned this. This was our first trip. We didn't know a ton about what we were doing. So tell us a little bit about like what your expectations were going down, what kind of your hopes were for, for the trip, why you, why you decided this is something you wanted to do. So I really didn't know what to expect going down there. Um, I was familiar with CRI, Children's Relief International, and had read everything online and seen the pictures. But I wanted to go and see for myself and actually meet the people there see what their lives were like, maybe learn more about their culture, and see if there were things that I could do or that we could do above and beyond just donating money, which obviously is very helpful, but were there, was there more? Could we be more active in trying to help them out and, and make their situation better? Um, you know, I had been on quote, mission trips before. And what appealed to me, especially about this opportunity, is that we referred to it as a pilgrimage. And so it part of it was what we could possibly bring to our new friends in Chihuahua, but also maybe what it could do spiritually for me and my family. And, and so the opportunity to come alongside people was really appealing to me, to just kind of be with them where they are, to um, see people loving God and living well together in, um, in a neighborhood and a little piece of the world that was completely different from my experience. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I want to hear from uh, Stella and Marilyn. Uh, what, as you look back now at the trip, we went at the end of July, so it's been a few months now. As you're looking back, like what, what's one or two things that really stick out in your memory that you feel like you learned or a way that you grew or something that you, you kind of brought back with you? Something that I really remember is going to church there. I really remember doing that um, and going there every day and help and have fun and have breakfast with them. That was lots of fun. Um, I remember um, sort of trying to understand what um, what exactly was going on there and um, seeing what resources are already available and how uh, Vita Victoriosa or 
Children's Relief International fit into that and um, what, what exactly the need was. And so that was really helpful. Learned a lot about that. Um, Marilyn, I think too, uh, not to put you on the spot, but when we, were, when we were debriefing, you said a lot about like the, uh, some of the systemic issues that we encountered down there. I mean, that we witnessed that the women live. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the, um, so while we were there, the, these families are um, living, it's, it's in Chihuahua, it felt in Chihuahua. It wasn't uh, rural or, or um, really far away from the city. So it was definitely a change. There were paved roads and the city kept things up and then we were off on a dirt road um, for this community. And so they were uh, families who were working, uh, making bricks usually. And uh, they, they didn't all have transportation, some of them did. Um, they, the kids were going to the local school there and um, they uh, were living very, like month to month, um, if that. I know Jessica's already handing out groceries and you know, buying bulk items to share with the families there. So they're a little short on food, uh, short on opportunities for work and um, Sometimes a child care is not readily available, so the, um, the center helps with that a little bit. And so these are families that are, that's kind of where they're at. And so while we were there, we had, uh, there was one child who broke or dislocated an arm or something. <laughs> not, not with us, to no, be clear. Right. We did we not break there, their arm, yeah. While he was riding his <laughs> bike elsewhere, um, fell off and had an injury. And this was something that, um, I think it was like $400 or something, but it was cost prohibitive, prohibitive. They wouldn't have been able to pay their rent or have food if they chose to do this. And they, yeah. the hospital Surgery. would not do any sort of procedure unless there was a down payment or even pay, in, pay half or pay full or something. So this is a situation where that child was like 10 or something, would have just, they would have either found the money and, and just dealt with it later or, and, you know, sacrificed basic necessities, or um, he would have just laid in bed until he could get up. And um, so that was something that Children's Relief International was um, trying to help with, or Vita Victoriosa with the help of Children's Relief International was trying to work with. So that's kind of where we're at with what's going on. Um, as far as needing food and needing um, job training and needing skills and needing higher education, that kind of stuff, there were no resources available. So the, there was a large cathedral and that church did not have an outreach where they were providing anything um, to supplement <coughs> the, the lifestyle these people had. So they were just really struggling with no, there was no food bank, there was no uh, homeless shelter, there was no uh, housing assistance. There were, um, there was some government housing, but it had not followed any sort of formal um, process of housing people. It had been sort of a squatter situation where um, people were just sort of taking places to live. And so overall with the, um, with the, the housing, there was, there was not a lot of regulation, or if there was, it was not consistent because of corruption or because that's just the way things are done there. And um, so that was really interesting for me was to see this is where people are at. This is what they can do to better themselves, which in a lot of cases, having childcare or having access to a food bank 
or having housing assistance or rental assistance can help you deal, or having, you know, insurance or Medicare can help you make it, can help you get, you know, month to month. And um, those resources, they're not able to get them themselves because, you know, they're struggling just to get day to day. And then those resources aren't available to supplement so that they can get, you know, a, a more stable life. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, I mean, obviously this was a, a first trip. We're looking towards the future. Um, and again, you know, Sarah, uh, Sue, I'd love to hear, you know, we, we as a team talked about it a lot. We've had some conversations with the leadership team, but you know, as you're looking to the future, like how would you like to see Catalyst continue to build a relationship with uh, Vita Victorioso, with the women in that community? What would that look like? Um, we, we were able, I mean, you talked about hospitality and they were so hospitable with us. I mean, it was such an amazing experience to just be in their homes, you know, and they, I mean, there, we were a big group and uh, their homes were small, you know, like one room with a bathroom for the whole house. And we just came in and they sat down and, and they cooked us food and we felt, um, we felt like part of the community. And so I hope that we continue that, that, um, we're in a place where we can sit at their table and and maybe someday they can come and, and sit at ours or if maybe they can't physically do that if we can kind of keep that that feeling going where we're um engaged in e in each other's lives spiritually um but you know we we connected there's it's mainly women who are in the uh at the community center vita victoriosa and so there's just so many, you know, as a mother, and I'm sure Marilyn, we would all agree, you know, there's a lot of just similarities between our experience and their experience and the struggles that they have and we have. So if we could continue to support them and encourage them in um, in what they want to do, you know. And so, so many of them, like Yvonne, had businesses that she was starting um, so many of them had dreams that they wanted to fulfill and things that they wanted to do with their for their children, and they were working towards those. There was just a lot of barriers in place that we don't have here in the United States um, that deal with have to do with corruption and and poverty. And so I also think if there's something that we can do to help with that in some kind of way to help people realize their dreams. Um, by removing some of those barriers in some way. I think I'd be interested in seeing how we could do that. Awesome. Sarah? Um, I think just continuing our relationship and communication between our group and our church here and uh, the people that Jessica is working with in Chihuahua and seeing if there are ways that we can um, help them out with the things like job training and and certain things like that. Are there skills that we can share uh, when we go back down there? Um, and are there, is there a continuing way that we can help them out from here? Awesome. Well, uh, I want to talk for a minute about some of the things that we have, even for this next coming year, but I wanna, don't want to make you all sit up here through that. So would you uh, thank the Mexico team with me, and I'll let you all hop down. Uh, yeah, I just want to reiterate, it was a really, really good trip, and, you know, the, the thing that was important for us was that it was a, uh, that it's the beginning of a partnership, right, not some kind of paternalistic, uh, relationship, and so, 
uh, we brought back a couple of ideas uh, that we think will be really helpful as Catalyst moves forward. And so I wanted to share some of those with you as we're moving towards response. And, and some of these are going to be ways um, that we've helped before, and some of them are going to be new, new ways to open ourselves up and make ourselves uh, vulnerable to them as well and, and become a true partnership. So um, first of all, uh, we are going to be continuing to work with Jessica and Vita Victoriosa. So uh, in the next couple of weeks, because again, I mentioned we only have four weeks till Advent, we're going to be sharing about our Advent giving project for this year. Um, last year, we raised money for school supplies for the kids at Vita Victoriosa. This year, Jessica has given us some uh, specific uh, items that she wants, including some Spanish children's Bibles for her to be able to use at the uh, center, and some Spanish Bibles for the, the women that come as well, and then also some little like uh, dry erase boards for the kids to be able to use when they're doing lessons and stuff like that. So we'll communicate all of that soon, but we're doing another Advent giving for Vita Victoriosa this year um, that will start in, in four weeks with Advent. Uh, and we're also planning a trip for next year. And as Sarah mentioned, one of the things we're really interested in is doing some either like job skills or life skills kinds of things that can help these women get some training that they maybe haven't had the opportunity to get because either they, you know, a lot of them had access to maybe like the equivalent of an eighth grade education or something like that. And so they may not know some, you know, accounting or, or uh, you know, uh, finances kind of training or uh, resume, all that kind of stuff. And we know a lot of people uh, who are a part of Catalyst do. So as we're looking towards the, the trip next, it's probably going to be next July sometime, uh, we want to be thinking about not only a, a repeat of the, of the uh, trip that we had this year, but something where we can, again, offer some things that are going to be long-term investments for the women in this community. And so again, that's for you folks who are virtual, right? You're welcome uh, as a part of this trip as well. We're, you know, we can all just meet in Chihuahua City, and this will be something that we can all do together. Uh, the last thing is something that's going to be ongoing. It's going to become a regular part of our worship and a regular part of their worship in Chihuahua City, and this is a prayer partnership. So this is what we came up with. Um, th uh, there are, I think, at this point, 10 different families who are connected to Vita Victoriosa, and uh, so Jessica, who is our contact down there, who uh, runs Vita Victoriosa, is going to once a month send us uh, a family and their prayer requests. And so every week during our announcement time, when we do our prayer in the middle of the gathering, we're going to share who uh, that family is for the month and what their prayer requests are. And we're just going to pray for one thing for that family during our worship. It's obviously something we're gonna, we can do during our C group meetings as well, and it's something that we can share uh, in, our, in our weekly newsletter, if you get our email newsletter as well. Here's the trick, though. We're also going to be highlighting a Catalyst family once a month. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get a, if you're virtual, we're going to have you send us a picture. If you're in the building, we can take a picture of you here. That's fine. And we're going to send that along with your prayer requests for your family, for your household, down to Vita Victoriosa and the women down there during their weekly Bible study. They're going to be praying for us as well. Okay, so this is a really mutual kind of a thing. They're going to be praying for us, and we're going to be praying for them in some really, really specific ways. Uh, and I think that'll just make our trips even cooler because we're going to meet people and hang out with people that we've been praying for all year. Uh, and we're going, to be, we're going to be getting to know each other and getting invested in a partnership in that way, uh, in a way that I think is really cool. So I want to introduce you, yeah, this is Clarissa, 
and Dylan. Uh, we met Clarissa when we were down there. She was one of the moms at the center. She is a firecracker. She's real funny and real sassy. And uh, Dylan is, of course, a super cool, fun little kid. And here are the things that she's asked us to pray for. So she's uh, today, we're gonna as we're moving into communion, uh, as we're praying for our communion meal, we're also going to pray for Clarissa and for her health. She's had a lingering cough, which I know some of you in here know what that's like. It's terrible, and it just makes everything you do a little bit worse. Uh, and so we're going to pray for her and for her health, and then next week we'll pray for her family, and we'll move on from there. Um, but this is something we're going to try here as a way to build a long-term relationship. And as we are praying for them, we're, they're going to be praying for us. And so these are uh, what our team hopes are some simple, uh, easy next steps to begin building friendships. Uh, we had a lot more ideas and a lot more dreams, and if you choose to go next year, you're going to have those same kinds of ideas and dreams, um, but we figured this is a good place to start. Uh, and so uh, we're excited about continuing to build this partnership. We um, really enjoyed, I don't know if you noticed uh, one of the pictures I was getting a haircut, that's Yvonne, she has a, a barber shop, and I was looking real rough when uh, we got to Mexico. And so when we were having dinner with her, she, uh, she said, oh yeah, I run a barbershop. And I was like, well, if you can take care of this mess. And she's like, let's go right now. So we did. Um, and it was great. So yeah, uh, we're going to be continuing to build those relationships. But uh, it was a really good trip. Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your support. Uh, and again, as a church, we look forward to what's next as we continue to build this relationship with Vita Victoriosa and with the women uh, that we met down in Chihuahua City. So uh, with that, I want to move us into a time of communion, a time of reflection and response. Um, and what I want to do with you today is just go back to that question of friendship. Uh, I'm going to ask you in, in the exam and to prayerfully approach God and ask, how, how have you been a friend this week? And maybe where have you been avoiding friendship, right? Where have you been avoiding God, friendship with God, or maybe friendship with other people? Uh, so after we've done the exam, I'll pray for all of us together, and then we're going to come to the table, and I just want to remind you that the table is where Jesus told his disciples that he does not consider us slaves anymore, but he considers us friends. So this table is a celebration of our friendship with God. So let's move into a posture of prayer. Here's the first question I want you to consider. Think about the week that brought you here. How have you been a good friend in the last week? Now, how have I ignored God's call towards friendship? Have, have there been spaces in the last week that you were maybe feeling God inviting you to press in that you chose not to?
Now think about the, the coming weeks as we're moving through this series even. How is God calling you to be a friend in this coming month? Are there ways that God is calling you to open yourself to be more hospitable? Or are there ways that God may be even calling you beyond that, to, make, to, to risk, to make yourself vulnerable, to put yourself at the mercy of someone else in your life? together. God, you have gathered us today that we might hear this challenging good news that you call us friends. And we confess it's difficult for us to think uh, of you as our friend, uh, as our Lord, sure, as our creator, yes, but as our friend, uh, that maybe feels too intimate, too close, and, and uh, it's difficult for us. And so we, we confess that to you this morning and we thank you again for your overwhelming love that insists on calling us friends, particularly as we're gathered around this table. We're thankful that you have led us into a relationship with Vita Victoriosa, and so we want to pray especially for our, our friend Clarissa this morning. Uh, we know that she's been suffering from a lingering cough, and so uh, as we gather at this table in a spirit of friendship, we want to offer our prayers for her and for her healing. Uh, we know that that sort of a thing can just really put a, a sour pallor over everything else that we do in a day, and we, we know that she has so much to do as a, as a wife and as a mom, and uh, just for herself, and so we pray that she would heal and that she would know your love for her, um, and, and we're thankful for the opportunity we have to be her friend. Um, in that spirit, we approach your table this morning, and we pray that you would reaffirm your friendship for us, even as we seek what it means to be vulnerable with the world around us. Thank you for showing us what that looks like. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to follow in your lead. Now we offer these prayers and we approach your table this morning in the name of your son, Jesus. The night Jesus was betrayed, he shared this meal with his friends. He broke bread for them and he said, this is my body broken for you, take it and eat it. And the meal was finished, he gave them a cup of wine, and he said, this is my blood, it's poured out for the forgiveness of sins, take it and drink it. And so now we too eat and drink, and as we do, we remember Jesus' death until he returns. Friends, as you're going today, as always, I want to take an opportunity to thank all of you who are continuing to give here at Catalyst, those also who have begun giving recently. Uh, it just means the world to us, it helps us to continue to do what we're doing uh, and continue to bless our communities, both locally and, and virtually, and so thank you for that so much. Uh, also, thank you to our volunteers who are continuing to uh, make everything happen, especially for those who are leading our C groups right now. I know um, I've been hearing some good reports, so, uh, and our C groups have been having a, a great time as well, so thank you for that as well. Uh, and now as you're leaving, uh, you know, we're going to continue through this 
core values series, but everything we do is grounded in friendship. It's, it's in many ways, friendship is, is the root that the other three values grow out of. And so we're not, gonna, we're not gonna leave this value behind. We're gonna bring it with us and it's gonna undergird everything that we are doing for the rest of this series. So uh, I hope that you will take this with you and, and meditate on what it means to be a friend, uh, what it means to make ourselves vulnerable for the sake of friendship, and uh, how we're imitating Jesus when we do that. So I want to dismiss you with a blessing. If you'll stand with me, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to leave you with this. Uh, Catalyst, you are following a God who gave up everything to make you his friend. Um, Jesus left heaven, and Jesus even gave up his own life so that he could call you his friend, and that is something uh, incredibly sacred and beautiful. So would you go into this week knowing uh, what Jesus values your friendship as? And may that, may that great love uh, give you the courage and the strength uh, to make yourself vulnerable as well when you feel the Spirit inviting you uh, to make friends with folks that maybe you would never have considered before because friendship is the heart of Jesus' good news. So in the grace and peace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week.